Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Andrew Halley, the CMO of Binder. And we're talking about their recent state of branding report and how the content creation world has changed over the last 12 months. Thanks for downloading. Now, Binder have recently released their latest state of branding research. What they've done is survey 1,600 marketing and creative professionals to work out the latest trends in branding and digital content creation. Now, this is a fascinating chat with Andrew Halley, who's their CMO, and he explains more about the research and how the pandemic has changed the content world. There's a link to the report in the show notes, so make sure you check that out and also connect with Andrew on LinkedIn as well. Another link for that in the show notes. Now, can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. I'd love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media, subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can check out more podcasts at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Andrew was to tell me a bit more about the state of branding research that Binder compiles and to throw out a few interesting stats. Sure, John. I'd, I would first maybe tell a little bit about the survey. Sure. A lot of you know critical listeners kind of want to know where the information came from and um, good, smart media consumption, right, that, uh, that everybody should be practicing. So you know, the State of Branding Report has been sponsored by Binder. We've been doing this five or six years running. Uh, this survey we did in uh, the first quarter of 2021 with a professional research organization, and we got uh, responses from about 1,600 uh, marketing and creative respondents with a focus on you know senior leaders when possible. Uh, everyone was from companies with more than 250 employees, and we had a pretty good um, international representation uh, of that 1,600. Uh, the largest chunk were from the U.S. 600, but a thousand were from Europe, including right. about 400 uh, from the U.K. So a pretty good diverse uh, source of of insight, I would say. Um, and some of the things that really jumped out to us is um, one. The demand for uh, creative content in the organization, 85% of our participants uh, saw a big increase in demand for it, and, you know, largely attributed back to the, the pandemic and the shift to a more uh, digital world. One other interesting, uh, second interesting thing is we spotted a little bit of the, um, the swimming duck phenomenon, you know, that idea of how a duck looks so placid cruising across yeah. the lake. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> but the legs underneath are going. Exactly. Yeah. So so we saw a difference in the responses of CMOs who uh, 80% of the CMOs in the response in the respondents were completely confident in their team's ability to meet content demands, while only just above 60% of the actual doers in video design and other uh, creative positions agreed. So not a huge uh, disconnect, but over you know a third more uh, CMOs were confident. So that, you know they're not seeing the effort being done to produce this extra con- uh, content. And then the third thing that was really interesting to us: the last several years, we've been asking questions about um, the automation of of the of cre- content creation and branding. Uh, and whereas um, last year in 2020, almost a quarter of our respondents felt that you know issues of uh, that work around creativity branding could see no real role for automation. About a quarter felt automation wouldn't really help there. This year, just a year, only 1% of respondents uh, felt the same way. Right. Um, so a big movement on 
realization in the market that um, software and automation can play a role in the early creative uh, parts of the marketing process. Okay, let's dig into some of this a little bit more. So so you say there's been a, an, an increase in digital content creation generally during the pandemic. Uh, this is presumably down to the changing in basically consumer habits. We're all at home and we have to do everything online, yeah? Exactly. I, I think it's worth pointing out, though, that pan- the pandemic really led to an acceleration of the existing trend, right, right. of digital sure. transformation. The the oft-cited quote from um, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, you know, half half a year into the pandemic, he talked about the pandemic saw, you know, three years of digital transformation in three months yeah. or something to that effect. But yeah. so this was already happening, right? It just yeah. really got accelerated, really, because we were all forced to change. We, we could no longer go into stores, uh, sometimes not even leave our home, right? Sure. Yeah. And so, so much of commerce that was already moving online really became digital first, in some cases, digital only. The stat that really just jumped out to me is that um, of all in the U.S., of all retail sales, 18% of retail sales were done online since 2020. And that includes, even we're talking, you know, gasoline, uh, groceries, automobiles, that's all retail sales. And that's a, that jumped, um, you know, four or five points, just a, a huge increase to kind of Put the proof to the the trend that you mentioned there. Uh, the scary thing is that is that it's only eighteen percent. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it's it doesn't seem likely that that will not continue. Sure. Um, and so, you know, the since the since commerce became so digitally oriented, um, that means that as a business, the digital experience you provide to your customers is really the place to be. That is the you know, marketplace, that is the competitive battleground. And as anyone who just reflects for a moment will realize, right, the the internet is incredibly visual today. It's no longer those old days, like at least I can remember, right, where pictures were almost an afterthought to a bunch of text. It's incredibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it took took a while to download the images. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, exactly. You know, and now it's so visual, uh, so video-oriented, so this impactful creative content is of enormous importance. It's one of the few ways you can really, you know, jump out at from the sea of digital sameness, right? Because we're all trying to reach our, our customers now through these little screens. Yeah. So great content is one of the few ways in that, you know, half second that a consumer interacts with you that you can really grab them uh, and engage. So, and then the fact that there's so many ways you can kind of personalize and target content has really, um, you know, exploded the number of assets that are needed to have a great personalized digital experience. So it's really, um, you know, it's really blown up the amount of digital assets that your average marketing organization needs to create. Yeah, because when you think of digital content, we're not just talking about web pages, are we? We're talking about email content, web content. We're talking about video. We're talking about social media content, all sorts of different things, which needs different types of assets, right? That's exactly right. You need different, you know, and, and we could get into a, is an interesting discussion of, you know, what is an asset? Is it an image? Is it a collection of images? Is it a web page? Yeah. Uh, I think no matter where you want to, how you want to kind of classify, you know, digital assets, uh, we need more and more of them. I think, you know, I would, I would just, you know, relay how it, how we think of it here at Binder, right? At, in our marketing organization. And we're obviously digital first, right? We're a, yep. we're a software vendor and we do business primarily in, um, across North America and the U S and, and we do business in four different languages. 
right? So every time we do a marketing campaign and we create new assets, uh, we need to we'll have them the language localized across four languages. Sure. We usually end up creating about twenty different uh, formats. If you think about, I think about twelve different ones you can utilize across the Google platforms. Three or four for our own website presence. Um, uh, maybe about five for Facebook and uh, Instagram that we also use to advertise on and LinkedIn. You add all that up, there's probably about 20 different size and format variations. And then we like to be good marketers and, and test to see what works well. So two versions of testing. Yeah. So you add, you do that four times 20 times two, and we need 80 to 100 versions of each asset that we create for a campaign. Yeah. So that just you know shows this this explosion across channels um, that you have to contend with, including you know email, social, and and web, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, do you think some of this content, uh, particularly over the last year, could have been used for internal use as well? With a lot of people being remote, that they need more content from the company as such, instead of like face to face meetings and things. That's 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 interesting. Um, I would say uh, I haven't thought about that before, but two mm. two things come to mind. The first is when the pandemic first hit, um, we saw a wave of our customers need lots of new uh, what we call light users, yeah. right? Um, to give employees, newly remote employees, the ability to get critical digital assets uh, remotely, right, from home. Yeah. Yeah. So and we were able to, fortunately, it's software, right? So we can kind of make that happen very easily. So we, we gave lots of licenses out for customers to use, again, to get internal assets. That's the only reason I can think of that is to get critical internal assets out to the employee base um, is one thought. And then a second thing that, that, John, your question reminds me of is, you know, kind of this more internal use of content is hmm. a real popular uh, use case that we're seeing for some of these creative automation tools that we offer has been for the um, the people and talent teams, the HR teams and, and employment marketing. Yeah. So I don't know. I, th I think that you're seeing this in the UK and we indeed, I'm, I've got some openings in the UK, so I know this is the case, right? Hiring all of a sudden, at least in the technology world, it's gotten incredibly difficult and heck, not just technology, right? Like, like restaurants, can't even find enough staff to fully open all their hours. Sure. So employment has all of a sudden become a very difficult thing. And employment advertising online is a great use case because there's a lot of things you want to say about your brand um, that are quite the same across different um, jobs you want to hire for, but the exact location and the exact role can change. So just like you know a marketing asset that we need to have slightly different for the French market than the US market, an employee ad is just slightly different for an engineer in Barcelona uh, than for a marketer in the UK. And marketing teams are often asked to help out with this task. It's not kind of core, but mm -hmm. it's one where it's very easy to kind of create a quick employment video ad because video is so much more engaging on the internet than a simple text ad uh, on LinkedIn, if you will. Um, and if you're only changing a few things of it, then you can really kind of crank these things out um, much more effectively and have a, a, a bespoke video ad for each role that you've got. 
which hopefully is going to be more engaging, more likely to attract some candidates. Yeah, I mean, from talking to people in the UK, I think there's been an increase in sort of like the internal marketing side of things where because people have been remote, there's been a lot more marketing done to employees, which obviously helps with customer relations, helps with all the HR stuff regarding employees. And a lot of that involves content. Yes, you're exactly right. It's a, it's a great it's a great point. Yeah. Do you see this increase in content creation continuing or or do you see it slowing down as the pandemic kind of dies away? Uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly not sure. Mm. I do. I'll say a couple things. I, clearly, we all feel the desire to not be digital only. Right. And we sure. see that in the exuberant return to the pubs, the bars, the nightclubs, the theater yeah. venues. Um, and even live, live events. You know, we we do some real neat event called uh, On Brand that we did virtually and was really successful the first time. But the second time we did it, you could tell people want to be uh, in person also. So clearly, yeah. we want to get out back into the stores, back in everywhere. But I can't believe that the convenience of a lot of the online move won't be retained. For example, just right where I am, uh, my barber shop, my local barber shop, um, hmm. has been around for forever. Not exactly a high tech organization. You used to sure. show up and just wait around, you know, until you, you, the barber was able to see you. Um, but that was against the regulations uh, that got put into place for COVID. And so Pat put in place a simple online booking tool. Yeah. Um, and uh, it works really great. You schedule your time and you just show up when it's your time to get your hair cut. Yeah. And it's great. And Pat's like, I'm going to keep that because this way I know exactly when I'm going to be busy. And my customers don't have to sit around and carve out an hour and a half to get a haircut because they're spending an hour waiting. Yeah. So I, th I think we're going to get back out there. But a lot of these things that have happened digitally are not going to go back. We can't put this toothpaste back into the tube. So yeah. I think I think this um, a lot of these things will uh, continue if maybe grow at a slightly reduced rate. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it's funny you mentioned the bar because mine's exactly the same. You you book you book uh, on an app, uh, and then you turn up for your appointment, and and it's all exactly. done. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It, John, did your your barber? He didn't have that before the pandemic. Right? No, no. You you just used to sit on a bench and wait. Right. Forever. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Some things are going to get a lot better. Um, have you seen a a rise in marketing automation as well over the past sort of twelve eighteen months? Definitely. I, I mean, we could look at just the use of our own, again, tools to help. Um, I sometimes kind of shorthand what creative automation can do as it's, a, you know, it's addressing the 99% of creative assets that are 99% the same, yeah. right? All the variations all, that we've got, I, I, and I related how at Binder, you know, we need 80 to 100 versions potentially if we're going to take a campaign everywhere, right? The, the automation tools they're not helping our great creative team come up with the core concept, right? Or that great initial kind of keystone asset, the, the ad, if you will. What automation can do is help with all those variations because they're also very similar and they differ in very predictable ways. In other words, the very same five asset sizes that Facebook and Instagram need. Sure. So that's what automation can help with. And we just see our tools are getting used a lot more to do this within within our customer base because it's it's just one part of what we help creative teams do. Um, but also more broadly than that, um, and actually going back to state of branding, about 52% of the respondents plan to increase their technology budget, right, as one way to deal with this uh, exploding demand for content. 
Sure. So that would indicate that, yep, there are people are seeing and they can invest in technology. And the fact that now that only 1% of people are still kind of saying, ah, I don't really think technology can help us with the creative process. Um, so yeah, I think it will continue. Now, I think interestingly, the other, it's not the only way that marketing teams are tackling this explosion and need for creative content. So again, just over half are plan to help use technology, but almost half are also increasing headcount to, to address this need, um, which is up 10% from last year, right? So sure. there's been a noticeable uptick in growing the creative team to meet this demand. And then, um, but one, one interesting kind of confounding factor, John, is it's not clear how much of that growth in the creative team amongst brands is net or is it just some in-house insourcing? Right. Yeah. There's been a trend, you know, over the last 10 years or so of brands increasingly insourcing content creation from agencies. Sure. Um, so they're growing headcount um, and they're using technology to address uh, address this growing need. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing I'm seeing folks hire more specific marketers that like they're, they're, they're hiring like maybe a, a data analyst, for example, um, who's who's not necessarily particularly very creative, but they love a spreadsheet. And and uh, I'm seeing quite a quite a lot of that at the moment in in the increases in headcounts and that. Yeah, I think that's another one that's just I don't think that's ever going to stop or stop anytime soon. The need for data savvy, yeah. you know, people, you know, and skills in the in the marketing organization. Um, do you think we're getting used to marketing automation? Because I get so many emails and. I look at them and I think, yep, that's automated, that's automated. Yeah, it's like everything's automated. Uh, do you think we're just getting used to it now, which is why we accept it a little bit more? This, wow, we could, mm. this is an interesting one. I mean, it, it, I would harken back, John, right, to when we talked about a year ago, right, and we, we spoke about, um, you know, per, has personalization, you know, gone too far and yeah. become, you know, creepy and, and yeah. losing its effectiveness when it was so nakedly, um, you know, automated uh, and 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 inauthentic, right? And yeah. kind of the the point I was making back then is that some of these creative automation tools could help you know brands catch up to where the what the analytics let them do and continue to tell you know a good brand story in this age of automation, right? So so you're kind of saying, wow, are we just getting are our senses getting dulled <laughs> to this? Yeah. I would say that. You know, it may be true, but John, like when you're in your email and you see all these, you're still going to end up doing business with somebody. Sure. Right. So the opportunity is there for the marketer to not just hit you with with something that's not impactful, right? That's not that's lacking the relevancy, the personalization, you know, and or you know, kind of the real um, you know authentic kind of brand story that does grab your attention amongst that sea of digital sameness. So I would I would say that again, it's it's really the brands that are going to be successful, a lot of them are going to be those that are able to use their creative content to to protect their creative people and give them the time to tell great brand stories and then be able to bring that content in a relevant way to your email inbox. So it's certainly a challenge, but I just see no other way for most brands to really compete and win. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I was talking to somebody on, on the podcast the other week about uh, handwritten notes. He, he's got a load of robots that, that do authentic pen, actual pens write handwritten notes in an authentic way. And, and he said that when people get one of these, it's almost like a massive shock to them that they've got something that like is real. 
Yes. Yes. And, but, but yet, but yet isn't, it's just, it's just effectively carried off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I suppose that in a way is a form of marketing automation. Yes. But maybe we need to, maybe Binder needs to add um, a template engine in addition to those to help automate video and, and images. Maybe we need one for handwritten notes to work with as robots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what types of automation strategies have you seen increase over the last, presumably email has gone bonkers. I would, the one that I most notice, I, I think, I feel, you know, email and, and, and personalized email, um, you know, has been around a while. It was one of the first channels that really got going is, and, and hence your, you know, exasperation that your email box is so full. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think though that marketers are getting better at kind of coupling great, you know, authentic content at scale with personalized email. Um, you know, as an example, Binder just um, has a partnership with Salesforce for their marketing cloud to really sure. make that a lot easier and really kind of connect the systems and take away some of the just drudge work and, and effort needed to, to give a better experience. But I would say the two tactics that, that just jumped out to me is really increasing a lot. We actually touched on one, you know, the, that employee branding is one that really just kind of came out of nowhere as far as a use case that our customers are marketing uh, creative customers are doing. They're helping out with the need to hire people um, by automating a lot of the uh, job job ads. Another one is, but the, the other one is um, social media, yeah. right? And there, it's not quite full automation of the content for social media. Rather, it's creating creative templates that empower the social media team to react fast to what happens in social in their regions. And I think a great example is um, one of our customers, Schroeder's, their um, headquarters in the UK that you, that you know, no doubt yeah. know of. Yeah. You know, they do business across 30 different languages. And, you know, as a bank, as a regulated industry, they keep pretty firm control over the compliance of their brand standards. And that's hard to do if you're a social media marketer, when something interesting happens that you'd love to respond to, you don't really have time to wait around for headquarters to sign off on a clever repost, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. moment has passed. Yeah. So the Schroeder's creative teams created a set of templates. They're all on brand, right? But they allow the social team to change some of the wording, maybe select from a, uh, a host of approved licensed assets. It's kind of um, freedom within a framework is a term we're hearing. And so they can respond right away Yet it is uh, on brand and in compliance. And in fact, Schroeder's won a uh, best use of social media industry award for this. So social media usage has been a huge one. You know, it's it used to be that social teams could respond with text, you know, kind of copy only and be, you know, in the moment and, and participating in the social conversation. But even social media is so much more visual, so much more video oriented now yeah. that they need those content tools. Um, but you have to do it at scale. And you have to empower the local teams. So that's that's the one that, as far as I look at our customers and what's getting used the most, that's that's the one, the big one that's really exploded. Yeah, it's interesting because when you think of marketing automation, you you, you immediately think of it being the front end, the customer foc uh, focused end. Uh, but what you're saying is that a lot of the back end work is being automated now. Exactly, and you know this. Um, I've been involved with you know as a software industry guy, you know, for 20 years or more, and a lot of it in the marketing software industry, the MarTech stack. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's where exactly where I was 20 years ago with, you know, automation of, of, of email and things like that. And it's kind of like automation has been a tide rising, taking on and helping more and more parts of marketing. And because we've automated so much of the distribution, the customer contact points, like you mentioned, John, like email, website, personal, say, all that's been automated and happens at such huge volume and scale, right, that we've had, it's created this content crunch and the creative teams that need to fuel those touch points with assets um, have been overwhelmed. And so this, what's happening now is appropriate levels of automation and templating are coming to the rescue, right? So that that, that last bit of the marketing function that's remained largely bespoke is now getting good automation tools so it can participate, you know, at scale, um, but without, you know, hopefully without becoming, you know, more gray digital sameness and overuse of stock photography. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's really interesting, I think, because I mean, I I remember years and you go going back sort of like 10, 10, 15 years, we were crying out for all this automation and all of this inter app connectivity and things. And and whilst it's a lot better, I don't think we're still there. Every day I try and connect something to something to something to something, and there's always a problem. It, there's still a long way to go, isn't there? Yes, definitely. You know, when we when we um re, you know survey and talk to marketers about digital experience and, and how, you know, this is now just top, top, the top thing for most marketing teams, right? How do you support digital experience? And, and this creative content gap is a huge one, but as big and sometimes even bigger is the integration challenge you just mentioned there. Okay, great. I'm, I'm, I'm now able to create these things. How do I tie all these things together? You know, how do I tie my email engine to this great pipeline of content I'm creating, you know, at scale? Because yeah. it, you just can't, it's beyond the capacities of human beings to replace one asset at a time, right? It has to be, these systems have to be connected together um, and run by software, right? There's just, there's just too many um, segments and points of personalization um, to really handle it manually anymore. Yeah, it is difficult. Yeah, I'm trying to connect um, Zoom webinars to a shopping cart system and also send information over to specific MailChimp um, list, mm. which is tagged a certain tag. Now, we can do that, but it, it involves the client having to completely change their workflow mm. in, instead of just being able to fit this in. But it'll get there. I, to be honest, I think the best automation that there's, there's been so far is that button which you can click that turns an image into all the images for all the different social media sizes. That has saved so much time. Yes. Yeah. It's yep. Something that simple saves a lot of time. Oh, it really does. Um, Andrew, thanks for your time. Um, where where can we find the report? Where can we have a good dig through it ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. It's easy to find at binder.com, B-Y-N-D-E-R.com. And under the menu, just hit our resources section. You'll find the most recent state of branding as well as a bunch of other stuff. And um, yeah, I'd love for people to check it out and hit us up on social media if you've got uh, thoughts, comments or insights about it. Fantastic, Andrew. Really appreciate your time. Thanks ever so much. I hope we can talk again next summer as well, John. Take care. Thanks again to Andrew for his time. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. All you have to do is search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.